The WBFO Brief Podcast is made possible by Simon Business School, presenting the Simon Games, an online business simulation competition for MBA scholarships where participants act as the CEOs of their own businesses. Learn more at simon.rochester.edu slash simongames. It's Friday, February 17th. Today's WBFO Brief was recorded around 8.30 in the morning. This is WBFO News. Here's Jay Moran. Winter weather advisory is in place this morning due to concerns over freezing rain throughout the region. Authorities believe an escaped sex offender may be in the Buffalo area. U.S. Marshals have issued an alert. They are seeking 42-year-old Christopher Luke after he failed to report to a residential recovery program in Lake Charles, Louisiana, as part of his sentence for a 2013 conviction for sexual exploitation of minors. It's believed Luke has family and friends in Buffalo and may have returned to the area. Anyone with information is asked to contact the marshal's office. A father and son from Lackawanna face federal kidnapping charges in connection with what authorities are calling an attempt at forced marriage. According to a release from U.S. Attorney Trini Ross, 50-year-old Khaled Abu Ghanim and 32-year-old Walid Abu Ghanim were arrested on charges that carry a maximum penalty of life in prison. The accused allegedly threatened to kill the unnamed victim if she did not travel to Yemen for an arranged marriage. And the clock is winding down on Toronto Mayor John Tory's third term. Tory is resigning today, effective at 5 this afternoon, after recently admitting he had an affair with a former staffer. Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey takes the reins on an interim basis, but she has already ruled out a run to replace Tory. Toronto's next council meeting will see the mayor's office declared vacant, initiating a nomination period and eventually a by-election to name a new mayor. Correspondent Dan Karpinchuk will have more on the story later in this hour. Critical response continues to build over Tesla's decision to fire 30 employees who reportedly were involved with union organizing activities at the company's South Buffalo factory. The group Tesla Workers United issued a release blasting the company and its CEO, Elon Musk, calling the move to, quote, fire 30 workers and announce a $2 billion charity donation on the same day is despicable. Workers say a new company policy prohibiting the recording of workplace meetings is in violation of federal labor law. Labor leader Peter DeJesus Jr. was no less sparing in his criticism. The Western New York Area Labor Federation AFL-CIO president blasted Tesla for failing to, quote, live up to its promises of good-paying jobs, despite receiving nearly $1 billion from New York taxpayers. The 17-year-old is being charged in the weekend shooting at Club Marcella that left one person dead and sent two others to the hospital. The unidentified male was arraigned in front of Youth Park Judge Brenda Friedman on nine charges, including three counts of assault in the first degree. The search warrant of the defendant's Buffalo residence uh, reportedly discovered two illegal handguns. And Erie County Executive Mark Polencars will be running for another term in office if re-elected. Polling cars would serve an unprecedented fourth term in office. No Republican challengers have officially announced a candidacy, though many are speculating Erie County Clerk Michael Kearns or former State Senator Ed Rath may run for the office. Well, today will be John Tory's last day as mayor of Canada's largest city. He announced a week ago that he would step down after admitting to an inappropriate relationship with a staff member. We hear more now from our correspondent in Toronto, Dan Karpinchuk. John Tory will end his term as mayor at 5 p.m. today. Although he made the announcement a week ago, it wasn't until Wednesday evening that Tory submitted his formal resignation letter. 
He also thanked the people of Toronto for trusting him as mayor since 2014, and he again apologized to all those hurt by his actions. As Torontonians had a chance to digest the news over the past week, opinion polls were split on whether he should resign. Even some city councillors and Ontario Premier Doug Ford said Tory should stay on. Is he the best thing that, that we have in Toronto? Yes, he is the best thing. And let's not upset the apple cart for a personal issue he's dealing with. He's a really, really good mayor, and let's move forward. Uh, it's not time to change. Everything's going tickety-boo in Toronto, working well with the federal and provincial government. And uh, what happens in their private life is strictly up to the mayor and their family. But that's not how Canada's Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland, sees it. Like very many Torontonians, I was very surprised, even shocked, by what we learned on Friday night. He took responsibility for that mistake. He apologized for that mistake. And he took responsibility by resigning. That was the right thing to do, and that was the necessary thing to do. In December, Premier Ford's Conservative government had brought in the so-called strong mayor powers for Toronto and Ottawa, giving those mayors the ability to propose and amend bylaws with support of just over a third of city council. Tory and Ford were cut from the same political cloth. Tory had once run for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Ontario, which Ford has since taken the helm of. So Ford would have considered the mayor an ally going forward. But now the landscape may change, and for Ford, that could spell trouble. If a lefty mayor gets in there, God help the people of Toronto. Taxes going through the roof. But folks, I'll tell you, if a left-wing mayor gets in there, we're, we're toast. I'll tell you, it'd be a disaster in my opinion. Ford did say he would not claw back his strong mayor powers and would work with anyone in the position. The key question now for Ford and others is who will replace Tory as mayor? Laurie Turnbull is a professor of political science at Dalhousie University. A big part of this for Ford, despite whatever relationship he has for, for Tory, with Tory and how he feels about what's happening, he introduced the strong mayor legislation, I think, you know, obviously largely because he wants to be able to have a partner to work with in Toronto as, as he moves forward on his housing agenda. And so in the event that Ford's imaginary lefty wins this thing, um, there could be real pushback in the mayor's office for what Ford wants to do. The next city council meeting is March 29th. At that time, council will declare the office of mayor vacant and a by-election will be called. Candidates will be given a deadline to file their nomination papers and the vote would come 45 days after that deadline. For WBFO News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk in Toronto. A new exhibit honoring the insights of Buffalo's black community elders opens tonight at the Buffalo History Museum. Presented by the Uncrowned Queens Institute, tonight's opening of the Black History Project, Say Their Names, Honor Their Legacies, will be free and open to all. Dr. Barbara Seals, Nevergold, and Dr. Peggy Brooks Bertram host the exhibit opening and program tonight from 6 until 8. The museum exhibit will be on display through spring. Advocates for plastic waste reduction and an expanded bottle bill rallied at the Capitol Wednesday for the state to reduce excess packaging on retail items by 50% by the year 2033. They say a plan by Governor Kathy Hochul to reduce packaging falls short of those goals. WBFO Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt 
reports. Governor Hochul in her state budget plan proposes reducing packaging waste by 15 percent over the next 10 years. Environmental groups say that goal is too modest and that the state should instead adopt a bill circulating in the legislature that would require excess packaging on all products to be reduced by 50 percent by 2033. The Senate sponsor, Rachel May, is also carrying a measure to expand the state's 40-year-old bottle bill to add non-carbonated beverages, wine, and liquor. It would also raise the deposit from $0.05 to $0.10. May spoke to advocates gathered at the Capitol's ornate million-dollar staircase. These bills are common sense. It's just ridiculous that we assume that we're just going to throw things away and they're going to go away. And she says it costs New York money in the form of taxes and payments to private garbage collection companies to pay for waste collection and recycling. It's ridiculous that producers and businesses assume they can just send us massive amounts of junk that we're going to then throw away and our municipalities are going to pay the cost of dealing with the waste and the recycling, which does not pay for itself anymore. Judith Enk, a former EPA regional administrator who now heads Bennington Colleges beyond plastics, says the overuse of plastics pollutes the oceans and is also dangerous on land. She says the recent train crash in Ohio, which leaked an array of toxic chemicals and caused a huge fire and mass evacuation, is just one example. The train cars that blew up were carrying liquid vinyl chloride. That's a toxic monomer used to make PVC plastic, number three plastic. It's used to make clear plastic packaging, plastic toys, plastic shower curtains. She says people in Ohio and Pennsylvania are paying the price of the failure to enact packaging reduction rules. Ank and other supporters say they are outgunned and outnumbered by industry giants like the American Chemical Council, the fossil fuels industry, and big supermarket chains, as well as Amazon and McDonald's, all are against the proposal. This is David V. Goliath on steroids. But they are hopeful. They say there's widespread public support for packaging reduction laws, and they say the measures are gaining support among lawmakers. The advocates are also asking Hochul to remove the proposal from the state budget so that it can be discussed as a separate issue, and the governor and legislature would have more time to work out the details of a stronger bill. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. For Theater Talk on WBFO, I'm Anthony Chase. And I'm Peter Hall. And we are here today with absolute Broadway royalty coming on into Buffalo for the pre-Kennedy Center engagement of Into the Woods, a great Sondheim musical. Welcome, Nancy Opal. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We're, we're delighted to have you, and just absolutely everything about you fascinates us. Uh, from originating the role of Penelope Pennywise in You're in Town, your Broadway debut in Evita, as Evita, Honeymoon in Vegas, but can we begin with... Into the Woods. You have been to Buffalo before. Yeah. You came here. You starred in the national tour of Drowsy Chaperone. I did. Do you remember Shays or is it all a blur? I totally remember Shays. And now you are returning in Into the Woods as Cinderella's wicked stepmother, which is a role that Christine Baranski played in the movie. Buffalo's Christine Baranski. But we suspect that you might also know Another Broadway Buffalonian, Michelle Ragusa. I certainly do. I did You're in Town with Michelle Ragusa. But 
into the woods. I don't want anybody to think that this is like, you know, we're going on some big schlepping national tour, you know. This is the actual people from the Broadway production. Many of us are out on the limited engagements, I should say. We should elaborate on that. You have got Stephanie J. Block, who won a Tony for playing Cher. You have got Montego Glover, the star of Memphis, who is playing the witch. It's amazing whom we've got in this show. Gavin Creel, I mean, you could go on and on and on. This is unheard of in this day and age. Because back in the old days, they would close the show on Broadway and the cast would go tour for a year. And this is very similar to hearkening back to the old days when the cast that was on Broadway goes out and visits the rest of the country. So we think it's very special. It is spectacularly special. You have a long history with this musical. Yeah, sort of, because I had done, at this point, let's see, I had done Sunday in the Park with George, with Steve um, Sondheim and James Lapine. And then I believe I did an off-Broadway show. And then I was asked to do the very first workshop that they did of Into the Woods. And at that time, of course, 40 years ago, I was one of the stepses. I can't remember which one, though. <laughs> now, hold on a second, Nancy Opal. You just casually dropping these, you know, oh, yes, I, I was at the reading with Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine. No, no, she said Steve. Oh, she said Steve Sondheim. <laughs> Sorry, Excuse kids. me. <laughs> and you also starred in Sunday in the Park with George, directed by James Lapine, who wrote the book for Into the Woods. Wow, you, uh, you travel in exalted circles. Listen, I've had a charmed life. Let me just put it that way. I really have. You got an Obie Award for My Dear. What's it like to win an Obie unexpected <laughs> and, and they do it in the nicest way they just go come to the awards and you know if you're going to the awards you got one basically that's how it works so it was really fun and it was a really fun show it was called madia and it was sort of a southern gothic comedy version of madia and i played yet again the titular role of madia and uh, john epperson wrote it you know lip -synca? of course as i lay lip syncing anthony you actually saw that, right? I did see that, yes. Nancy has played a lot of really rotten mothers. <laughs> <laughs> she has. Let's do a litany. You're playing one now. Honeymoon in Vegas. Really awful mother. What's the song? Never marry. Yeah, never get married. That's what I... Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I do a lot of those. And luckily, my own daughter thinks I'm a good mother. So, so in real life, I guess I did all right. That is a consolation, yes. Now, Peter, you mentioned the Obi she won. There is also the Tony for which she was nominated, which must have been a heady experience as well. It was one of the major highlights of my career to do that show. It was so wonderful. We were talking about Urintana, a kind of Brechtian musical about social irresponsibility. It is so good and it's so funny in a way that, you, that you're just not ready for. Like, Hope, what an unexpected surprise. And she says, is there any other kind? I mean, come on. That's great, <laughs> that's, that's great writing. Well, so looking forward to your performances. But unfortunately, just two shows before you're off to the Kennedy Center. When you're down there in Washington, you might mention us from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is nice, but it, it's not Buffalo. <laughs> it's no Buffalo, friends. Thank you so much. Broadway's Nancy Opal playing the wicked stepmother in Into the Woods at Shays this weekend. For a theater talk on WBFO, I'm Peter Hall. And I'm Anthony Chase. A little bit of a, a post note to theater talk, uh, theater talk this morning. Uh, according to uh, uh, Peter and Anthony, uh, they have an extended version 
of their discussion with Nancy Opal at WBFO.org. And I think if we are all fans of uh, Theater Talk, we know that uh, Peter and Anthony would not uh, oversell and underdeliver. So check it out for yourself at WBFO.org. Moving on to sports, uh, the Buffalo Sabres wrap up their uh, road trip with a visit to the San Jose Sharks tomorrow night. That game starts at 10.30 our time. Sabres ended their four-game losing streak on Wednesday at Anaheim with a 7-3 victory. They return home on Tuesday night when they play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Be sure to like or subscribe so you can help others find this podcast. And if you love it, by all means, leave a review too. The WBFO Brief Podcast and the award-winning journalism of WBFO's news team is made possible by members. Thanks for listening.